Hello and welcome to the Chronic Podcast. If you've been listening, you probably noticed that I did not record last week. And uh, it's it was a hard week. I was in a lot of pain. My shoulder didn't hurt more than I thought it would, but you know, I thought after a couple days, this is going to start getting better, right? Wrong. And so I had every intention of podcasting, but honestly just got bogged down with how painful my shoulder was in addition to everything else last week. But I kept telling myself, next week will be better. Um, You will not be in as much pain. And that is not true. (laughs) Uh, Actually, this week has been absolutely nuts. Nuttier than last week. I swear, since I started podcasting, it just kind of seems like life has gotten crazy. Uh, So this is a harder week. And... I don't have a lot of guidance this week. Honestly, just wanted to talk through some of what I'm going through. And so that maybe if you're going through something similar, you don't feel so alone. I don't exactly know what I would say the theme of today's episode is. But I'm going to give it a go. I was listening to a book this morning and I I love reading fiction. I read a lot more fiction than nonfiction and it's because I really think fiction can teach you just as much if not more than nonfiction and so I I love it and in listening to this book today like one of the lines like slugged me in the gut man (laughs) like I was driving and like braked because it was it was so good it said that toughness is not the same as strength and I was like wow (laughs) okay goodness it is early in the morning and I'm not ready for that kind of truth but it's so true and so if there is any theme of today and what I want to talk about it's that toughness is not the same as strength so here it goes let's dive in I've been debating whether to give context about this whole debacle that has been my life the last couple days, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to, like what I imagine Jerry Springer or Maury Povich would do, I'm just going to come right out with it. I found the man who was allegedly my birth father, contacted him. He contacted me back is not my birth father, according to him, probably not. I now believe that he is probably not my birth father. And so I contacted my birth mother about it, upset. And it was the absolute worst conversation of my life, if you can call it a conversation. Um, It was a super angry uh Facebook messaging saga. That would probably be a better description than conversation. Super angry, rage-filled Facebook messaging saga. Um, I 
will say that I was quite upset to find out that the person that I thought was my birth father wasn't. It's not because I wanted a relationship with him because I don't. I have a great dad already who I love so much. But what's really important for me is just knowing more about my history. This summer, I found out that I'm about 38% African, and I don't know anything about that other than some genetic markers and the little I've been able to find on Ancestry.com. I also have ankylosing spondylitis, which is a very rare disease and is more commonly found in men. So normally, if a woman gets it, it's because their father has it. So I only know one side of my health history and would be really interested in finding out the other side of my health history. And with health in mind, I'll give you a metaphor. So when the man I had always thought to be my birth father, whether I knew him or not, when he told me that for very good reasons, he doesn't think he's my birth father, it kind of felt like when you go to the doctor after getting tests done or imaging done, and you are waiting for a diagnosis, right? And you probably have an expectation, okay? You've Googled it, you've WebMD'd it, you've talked to your friends, you have thrown out scenarios and support groups, you have it teed up like this is absolutely what it's going to be. Yeah, and then your doctor comes in, they spill the beans, and it is something totally opposite than what you were expecting, and the rug is just pulled out from under you. That's what it felt like, which is upsetting. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like a non-answer to me is the worst-case scenario. So it was so frustrating that I felt like I finally found an answer to um, potential questions. I found a person I could ask about health stuff, about history stuff, and he didn't have good news. He didn't have bad news. He just had an I don't know. And in dealing with chronic pain and illness, to me, I don't know. Those are the three worst words I, I could ever hear. So I was pretty crushed, really, and um, and upset. So, so I contacted my birth mother and demanded answers. I'll admit that I demanded answers like Bethany Frankel style. Nothing was going to stop me. Came in hot, okay, which I wouldn't recommend, but. It happened. <laughs> and I haven't talked to my birth mother in 10 years, at least. And so, you know, I, I knew it was not going to be a, a super great reunion moment, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted answers. But it turned out to be something I could have never expected the amount of anger that I was met with and that she has toward me was unreal. 
and I have therapy about it, which is why I can talk about it without crying. And, and I'm processing it, processing it by a lot of movement. I did the new incline in Parker today, which I highly recommend. It's really short, so you can do it multiple times, and it's a great workout, but just moving and and working my body physically and hard helped me feel like I was moving away from this hard place. So I have processed this conversation before talking about it here, and the reason I want to bring it up is I do think that as hard and painful as this conversation was, it definitely has taught me an important lesson about toughness versus strength. I think one of the messiest aspects of life is expectations. The expectations we have for ourselves, for other people, and the expectations that people have for us. And then how we go about trying to meet those expectations or perhaps defying those expectations. And I think as an adoptee, if you are adopted, expectations can be even more confusing to navigate, especially if you have had an open adoption like I did. So an open adoption is where you know your birth family and conversation is not prohibited. So in my case, when I was young, conversation was encouraged and we did have a very open relationship. I always knew I was adopted. I knew my birth mother and you know her siblings. I would call aunts and uncles and I knew my grandparents, her parents, I knew my great-grandparents. So very open. And that has a lot of positives. I felt a lot of love from my grandparents and from my aunts and uncles. And there were some really good memories of them coming to visit me or me going to visit them in Kansas and and birthday presents and Christmas presents and cards and quilts made and my uh, great grandmother and I think my grandmother used to to can items and send us canned goods and there's nothing like canned goods from grandparents right it's a lost art and so there's wonderful things about open adoptions there really is and health history is one of those things it's so important so I want to start with the good but the messy and for me, a lot of the negative aspect came from expectations. I think the way I feel is that I was never fully let go. I feel like when you place someone for adoption, you let them go. That doesn't mean that you don't hold that person in your heart, but you have to let them go. You don't have any right over them anymore. And that boundary was never set up in my relationship with my birth family. I don't think that they fully let me go to be my own person and to be Elise Matson, Robert and June's daughter, 
her own person. And I always felt growing up that they had expectations of how I should behave toward them, a certain amount of gratitude that I should have for, you know, being born, for being put in the family that I was placed in. I also felt like they had expectations about my affection or my regard. And what made that hard was in my teenage years, the first years where I really started thinking about my adoption, because, you know, as a kid, I knew it, but you, you know, I was thinking about peanut butter and jelly and, and my cat and and my dogs, you know, I, my bunny, those, those were the family members I thought about, not my birth family. And so when I was a preteen and teenager, you become self-aware and extended family becomes real to you and life just gets a whole lot more clear, right? You you gain the ability for some perspective outside of what is so immediate uh, when you grow out of being a child. So by the time I was really able to think about being adopted and muddle through those messy thoughts, I'm a hormonal teenager. And I also am feeling the weight of other expectations, I all of a sudden become aware of the expectations that my birth family has. But I also feel like I have expectations from my own family and expectations from people at work, people at school. All of a sudden, I just felt kind of a crushing weight um, in my high school years to achieve and perform and to be tough. And I will say, I I think that everybody from my parents to my parents' friends to my teachers to my bosses had well-meaning expectations for me. It's so important to expect um I don't know, to expect good things and to teach kids and teenagers that they should have a high expectations for themselves and and can achieve. But I do think that I was in a situation where I think I was placed on a pedestal and people thought that maybe I could achieve more than what I felt like I could. And as a teenager, you don't know how to set up boundaries or to say that is an unrealistic expectation or I'm sorry, but my mental health will not allow for that. I already am at full capacity. You know, I can say that now I can say I actually need a mental health day or I can say that deadline is unreasonable or I can say I'm sorry, but this situation that I'm involved in is not a situation I need to be a part of for my own mental sanity. I didn't know how to say any of that. And so what happened was I got to a point where it was all too much. I felt like school was too much, that I loved work, but the responsibility I felt there was becoming a lot. I felt like at home, the responsibility 
to try and not be a burden to people and to try to be agreeable and just to try to make sure that nobody had to worry about me. It it became a lot. And so I evaluated as best I could as a dumb teenager, what can I do to make this better on myself? What can I do so that I don't break? You know, I've seen people in my life who everybody expected them to be the best, right? Like the superlative is they'll go on to to be a rock star or they'll go on to the Olympics. They'll go on to do something great. I have seen people go out in a blaze of glory before, you know, just just fail epically and spectacularly, to be quite honest. And I say that with a degree of awe because I feel like that takes uh, a degree of bravery to to go out and to defy expectations or to fail so publicly. And I didn't have that that bravery or or courage. I just internalized everything and got to a point where I just felt so anxious inside, but didn't know how to show it outside so that people really understood what I was going through. And so I said, what can I cut out? What, how do I keep myself sane? And I realized that I had what seemed like two families who were vying for the same thing. And I only had one family who raised me and one family who felt there for me. I only had one dad who built a playhouse with me. I only had one mom who held my hand at all my doctor's appointments and told me not to look when, you know, I had to get an IV or a shot or or something like that. And so I decided that it was too hard for me to meet the expectations that my birth family had. And it was too hard for me to be pulled into dramatic family situations, situations that involved abuse and mental illness and a lot of anger and resentment and bitterness. It was too hard for me to to be in that when I was a teenager. And so I drew back communication. And I set a hard line. And now as an adult, obviously, if you set a boundary, a super important thing about a boundary is you tell people it exists and you tell people why. But I have a lot of grace for teenage Elise because she really was doing the best she could. And so I just set a hard line without saying why, without saying how, because I honestly don't even think I knew why or the parameters or anything. I just knew that something had to give. And I was right. I I would still make the choice that I did, I think, but um, would obviously go about setting a boundary a different way. So because I set that boundary, my birth mom was super upset this week that I haven't talked to her in 10 years. Uh, according to her, I, well, Really, she thinks I'm a monster, plain and simple. It was really hard because it's I internalize 
everything anybody says about me. And I have a fantastic memory. So even terrible things people said about me in in high school, like I had a teacher one time tell me I would never amount to anything. I still remember that. And that was my junior year of high school. You know, I can't remember a whole lot else about junior year, but I remember that. So she basically called me a monster and told me that I damage people and told me that I am only capable of hurting people. Um, yeah. And that was because that line I drew, it, it hurt her. It did. That doesn't mean I was wrong, but it hurt her. And I was able to apologize for hurting her. It's not an apology that she accepted, and I don't think she'll ever accept it. That's okay. That's not why I needed to apologize. I needed to apologize for me. I apologized for for hurting her. But here's what I want to say. Laura, my birth mother, was upset for things I did as a teenager that hurt. As a kid, not a fully formed adult. My brain was not even close to being done growing, right? And what I did as a teenager, I did to be tough. So let's talk about toughness for a minute. I I mentioned that I felt so many expectations, right? And and that I tried to live up to those expectations. And I tried to stay on this pedestal that people put me on. I grew up in a really small community, by the way. So it's not like I was big doings, okay? I really was not. But when you go to such a small school like I did, and you grow up in such a small community, in my circle of influence, I was on a pedestal. And there were way more expectations, I think, placed on me than there were on some other kids. And that was that was really hard. And it wasn't, you know, it's one thing dealing with people's expectations as a healthy person, as a normal teenager. Maybe you're an athlete, right? Or I don't know. I I guess for me, being in high school, I always thought being an athlete would be like the, the penultimate, like you've made it experience. But I wasn't athletic because I was sick. I had mixed connective tissue disease and I got scoliosis and kyphosis. And so I dropped out of sports and I was smart. And so when people expected me to keep up those grades, I said, well, I'm going to do even better than what they expect. When people expected me to get into college, I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to get into a better college than what they expect. I was definitely overcompensating. And I think part of that was the realization that I was at a deficit now. I felt at a deficit. I'm not a normal kid. I am dealing with a chronic illness and a a severe amount of pain. And so what can I do to not only be a normal kid, but a better than normal kid? Like how can I exceed expectations? And so I put up a really tough face that I could do anything, that I could study for longer, that I could study more, that 
that I could get into Yale, that I could do the hard thing and do it all the time, that, that I wouldn't be a burden even more than that. I would be the person everyone wanted. And of course, some of that was, was my own, my own expectations for myself. But I do wish that, you know, maybe adults in my life had said, hey, you don't have to try so hard or, hey, you know, it's okay to have a tough day every now and then to not get that A, to not be able to do your assignment so perfectly. I think, though, that a lot of adults in my life didn't even think that they had to say things like that because I seem so tough. I seem to have it all together. Toughness for me is all about your exterior. It's kind of bravado, and it's it's a defense mechanism. It's not letting people in. Toughness for me and this is a recent realization, doesn't have anything to do with internal growth or being healthy. It has everything to do with masking the, f- the fact that you have growing to do and that you're not healthy. I didn't want people to see the real me that was insecure and terrified of not meeting expectations. And of not being enough and of being a pain because I was in pain and I wasn't what I felt was normal. I felt like I was slow and, you know, just icky, you know, like teenagers do. (laughs) And so I became tough. I I put up an armor And I wasn't going to show people kind of the tender underbelly that was an insecure, scared little girl. That's what toughness is. But the thing is, is that in our culture, we say things like be mentally tough, be physically tough, or hey, you are, you're so, you're being so tough right now. Or we say, oh, this is tough. But, you know, a lot of times when we say, oh, this is tough, even though we say it with that tone of voice of, you know, we really don't want to be in this situation right now. It's like we glorify tough. If the going gets tough, then that means you're tough and you're resilient and you are getting somewhere in life. You are getting up the mountain. You're a high achiever. And so I think that we glorify being tough or we glorify getting through a tough situation or even finding ourselves in tough situations because that means you're working hard, right? So I think that the older I've gotten, the less tough I've become. One thing that I was telling my therapist about is that the more healthy... I get in therapy, the more I cry in therapy, the more I seem to break down. And that's because I am getting more in touch with my intuition, with my emotions, with who Elise really is, with that, you know, 
tender side that does not have a tough exterior. So I'm a lot healthier now than teenage Elise. Thank God, right? Like, and I already hope that I'm more healthy in my 30s and that my 30s are better than my 20s because it's been a long road and it's going to be a long road for me to be emotionally healthy and to be more physically healthy too. But I'm getting there. And the more I get healthy, the less tough I am. I am pretty tender. I'm not as judgmental as I used to be. Teenage Elise could be judgmental for sure. And uh, I feel like I'm more judgmental on myself now. That's something I'm, I'm working on than anyone else. I am more empathetic and compassionate. Things that I used to be able to turn a blind eye to, I can't anymore. I do have better self-love too. Aspects about myself that I would talk meanly about in my own head or 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 just not want to think about um you know, parts of my body I wouldn't look at in the mirror. Now I do, and I express love for myself. All of that uh, is letting go of that tough exterior, right? And so I'm, I'm less tough. I feel like in the span of 10 years, though, I think my birth mother has become more tough. There are pages and pages of this Facebook saga that went on between us of, you know, things that she called me that are going to be tough to forget and things that she said about me that have the potential to really hurt. And I can't lie and say that I don't feel knocked down, that I'm not questioning, am I a good person? Am I just someone who destroys and who takes away and who breaks? Head knowledge says, no, I'm, I'm not that person. But the heart's a different story. I'm, I'm not as tough. And so my heart is closer to the surface of me. And, you know, I take things to heart, right? But what I also acknowledge is that the pages of things that she said, that was Laura trying to be tough. I've never done it. And so I can't imagine what it's like to be a birth mother that gives up their daughter for adoption. And I know that there's a lot of shame and and guilt and questioning and non-answers and I don't know and all of that terrible icky stuff. There's a lot of that that comes with that. And thank God for therapy, right? And for friends and for family and for faith, for a spiritual practice, for exercise, for all of these things that we have to get ourselves healthy. But just because those options are out there and available doesn't mean that we take them, you know? Just because someone has a life raft when you're plummeting 
down a river doesn't mean you're going to reach out and say, okay, you might be happy plummeting down that river to your death. (laughs) You might be happier doing that than accepting help or accepting that there's another way to live. Because I think that the tougher you get, the more you want to hold on to that toughness. And so even if there's a waterfall coming up and you are hightailing toward it, you might say, I'm I'm tough enough to get over it. And so screw your life raft. <laughs> and so what I realized is that my birth mother is a very tough person. She's had to be because she's had some really um, painful things. One, getting pregnant unintentionally and giving a baby up for adoption. That's extremely hard. And at that point, she didn't have the tools to deal with it. And then came an abusive relationship. And again, at first, she didn't have the tools to to deal with it. And so I think that when we don't have the tools, we we try to be our own tool and, and make ourselves tough. You know, we we get out our own bricks and our own mortar and we build our own walls around ourselves. But the fact is, is that all of us can take responsibility for our lives and at some point see that there are so many ways to get healthy, no matter what amount of money you have, no matter if you're male or female. Um, and I'm going to be careful right now and say that Unfortunately, depending on your race, depending on your gender, depending on your class, there are more options available to you. But what I love about the age that we're living in is we're realizing that that's not okay. That being mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, that should be a basic human right. And there should be ways for you to be healthy no matter who you are. And that's one thing I'm really passionate about. And so if there's a health resource that you need, please reach out if I can help you find that resource. Because I really want to. I want you to be healthy and whole. I truly believe that we're in an age where we can be healthy and whole if we want to be. And instead of being tough, we can grow strong. I am proud of myself because today I feel strong. I don't feel tough at all. At all. I feel the opposite. But I do feel strong. And here's why. My birth mom demanded an apology for things I did when I was a kid and when I was a teenager. And at first I said, Okay, there's no way you can have this much anger toward a teenager. That is bonkers. Or toward a kid. That's crazy. And I shouldn't have to apologize for that because I was hormonal. I couldn't even drive. I don't owe you an apology. And then I thought about it and thought about how hard it must be to carry around so much anger. And that if you have that much anger, you're like a bear with a thorn in your paw, right? And there's obviously a hurt. And no matter if that hurt 
was intentional, which it certainly wasn't. I'm strong enough to say I don't have anything to lose by saying I'm sorry. I won't lose any any sleep over it. I won't lose any self-esteem. I don't have a big enough ego to say, oh, it's really going to be a blow to my ego to apologize. It doesn't cost a thing to be nice. And it didn't cost me a thing to apologize. But it did take an amount of strength that I didn't have as a teenager. As a teenager, I had to draw a hard line and say, I cannot talk to you anymore for my mental health. And that's what I said in my head. I didn't even have the strength to say that out loud. It was like a fight or flight response. And I chose flight. And to build walls. Because that is tough. It shows a a militarism, right? That is tough. And I'm not tough anymore, but I'm strong enough to let my walls down. Because apologies require vulnerability. So I guess I I was losing something by apologizing. It did cost me. It cost me my walls. And for me to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. Not I'm sorry, but. Not I'm sorry, and. Just I'm sorry. To be in a space where I was uncomfortable and and smarting and kind of feeling punched in the gut, but being able to apologize and just hope that somebody can truly find peace and set their load down, set their anger down, and someday feel that apology, that took strength. It did. So, I don't know, I feel arrogant saying that and tooting my own horn, but you know what, when when we do something that shows growth, we deserve to give ourselves gold stars, okay? It is healthy to give yourself a gold star, and today I'm giving myself a gold star, but only because I hope that it helps you as well. I just hope this week that you can think about that in your own life. Are you tough or are you strong? And maybe you're a bit of both, because I'm still a bit of both, but I am far more strong these days than I am tough. And it's taken a considerable amount of pain to get there, and and therapy, and friends coming around me, and challenging me, and family coming around me, and challenging me. It takes a lot of love from people to realize that your toughness isn't serving you and that you can be tender but stronger for that tenderness. Anywho, I hope that you can evaluate the ways you're tough and maybe how that's not working and evaluate the areas in your life where you can be more tender but you can grow in in strength It's going to take grace for yourself and it's going to take grace for others to evaluate that in your own life and to start to find another path. It really will. I've had to have a lot of grace for myself and and just to be kinder to myself this week. Extra self-care, extra exercise, extra tea, 
I have a rule that I do not drink alcohol when I'm sad um, or when I'm upset. So, you know, my my glass of wine is a no-go. That's for celebrations. And so right now we're curling up, my dogs and I, with lots of tea, lots of snuggles. We're getting lots of exercise, lots of sun, vitamin D. We're kind to ourselves this week. So be kind to yourself. Give yourself lots of grace. And when you start giving yourself a lot of grace, you'll see your walls start to come down. And when you give others grace, hopefully their walls will come down too. Although maybe it'll take years. Maybe it'll take never. I mean, maybe it'll never happen. I think I showed my birth mother some grace this week. And I don't know if it helped, but it helped me that I did it. We're going to be imperfect, guys. I am not right in this situation. I I did put up boundaries that were not clear and were not hashed out. And when I demanded answers from my birth mother, I, I did so not, not in a mean way, but not in a kind and gentle way either. So I'm not right. I am imperfect, but I sure am learning. <laughs> I'm sure I'm learning. And I hope that maybe through some of my Maury Povich style struggles that, that you can learn too, and it'll be helpful. So if nothing else, this journey um, from, from toughness to strength, I hope that you'll take it for your physical health. Even if you think that emotionally, mentally being tough, you're totally fine. Just think, think about your physical health and is maybe that toughness forming like a pocket of pain. Is maybe that toughness making you scrunch up those shoulders and lock that jaw, those knees, right? Because one thing I can say in in all this this week is that physically I have held up way better than I thought I would. And I think it is because I'm giving myself that grace that I need, that grace to be imperfect, the grace to grow, For my physical health, it's worked wonders, not just for my mental health. So think about that. This is like the longest goodbye ever. (laughs) Sorry. Let's go through this week imperfectly and with grace. And next week, I will come back next week. I'm coming back next week. Took a break last week. Not happening again, at least for a while. Um, We'll talk more about my shoulder. Um, And some of my physical pain, I have a whole load of things to tell you about my rheumatologist. Um, They're fighting right now, which is interesting. I have two rheumatologists. They are not getting along. They are not helping each other and not helping me. And in the midst of my rheumatology issues, I have found a wonderful acupuncturist who is working wonders for my shoulder and uh, especially for my ankylosing spondylitis. 
I also start physical therapy next week. So all kinds of doctor stuff to tell you about. We will get into that next week. I will talk to you next week.